Good evening, everybody. This is the World Cup 2022 podcast. I am your co-host, Owen, and I'm here with... Josh, your other co-host. Love to hear it, Josh. Today's games in review, these were our last games of round two. And so on our episode tonight, we'll do a quick recap of these, and then we're going to dive into some of the scenarios that get us really pumped for round three. We have some really cool games that are going to be starting off tomorrow. Uh, The U.S. happens to be in one of those games fighting for freedom. Uh, So super pumped about that one. But we have a lot of other scenarios we're going to walk through tonight. And we actually have a guest joining us tonight to dive into some of the statistics, percentages, and all of the nerdy stuff that uh, people like sometimes. So I do want to give a quick shout out here real quick. Don't touch that dial. I do want to give a quick shout out here. If you are an Australian listener, please, for the love of God, message us. I I think I've made it very clear that I am a huge soccer (laughs) fan. And we we have an international audience. We have people from Argentina listening to this show, from Canada, from the UK. I want to know who the Socceroos are, okay? The U.S. audience is cool. If you could hit me up on Twitter, it's just at WC2022podcast. I want to know who my Aussies are out there. And I may even have a special treat for you. All right, that's it. Okay. So, the games today, there were some good ones. The first two... Tons of goals in each of them. Absolutely fantastic. So we kicked off the morning with uh, Cameroon and Serbia. That was the 4 a.m. Central, 5 a.m. Eastern. That thing was crazy. 3-3. Cameroon takes an early lead. Serbia then takes over the game and plays the way that we all expected them to play with tons of goals in that lineup and works up to a 3-1 lead before giving back two goals and having it eventually end 3-3. I just absolutely wild. And this was the first game in my life where I have seen a goal in real time, have the flag go up, it get called back, and then corrected in favor of the offender, and then have a goal awarded. Have you ever seen that, Josh? Josh, have you ever seen that? You know what? I'll get off mute and answer that question. Okay. I think I've seen that in a Premier League game, but it's super rare. And um, I think the funny thing is, I want to say the uh, I want to say the striker like kind of gave up and just kind of kicked the ball into the goal just for fun. I think he thought he was yeah. offside. It was a cute little chip at the end of the day that kind of felt yeah. like yeah, it was like ah, a little practice shot, you know, whatever, just a little practice Play shot. Played to the whistle, man. Yeah, he played to the whistle, put it in, and boom, it's a goal. They were awarded for it. So very, very cool. There were a couple, uh, there were actually two Cameroon goals that were very, very close offside calls. Uh, and of course, that one that we're talking about being given after being called offside on the field. I think the I think the linesman probably got a little bit flag shy after that, and maybe didn't want to raise it too mm-hmm. early. Uh, which is really what they're supposed to do. If it's super tight, you're supposed to keep your flag down and let VAR review it. But um, this was a this was a cool game. Second game of the day, loved this one. This one I got to catch every single minute of. So much drama in this game. If you got it on your DVR, please go watch it. It's fantastic. It, it, so Ghana comes out and looks like the team that we saw in, in World Cup qualifying for, I know, I know all of you guys watched 
the AFCON qualifiers. Everybody watches them. But oh yeah, they looked like the team we saw in qualifying. Tons of goals in them. Not great at defending, but tons of goals in them. And they came out and they really started to put on a show against South Korea here. They, I mean, they owned this game all the way through half. At the 57th minute, South Korea makes a substitution and they exchange one of their defensive midfielders for a slightly more attacking midfielder. And boom, three minutes later, it's 2-2. It was unbelievable. And eventually Ghana went on and, and shortly after that scored another great goal before the 70th minute. So it was a really, really exciting, very dramatic, very emotional 10 minutes there where you saw Korean fans starting to get out of their seats and then they were weeping again. Uh, so, you know, if you like that kind of stuff, go watch it. It was pretty fun. <clears throat> I know you like watching people cry. That's, Josh. uh, that's, I've got that one recorded. So unfortunately couldn't watch it. Stupid work today. Uh, so it is, uh, it's on my list of keepers. It's a good one. I'll get to it eventually. <clears throat> it's worth it. All right. Maybe so tonight, even. yeah, it'd be worth it. So yesterday I called Switzerland with the potential upset on Brazil here. They are a very workmanlike team. They just, they don't make a ton of mistakes. That showed today. Switzerland played Brazil very, very well. They, again, didn't Uh make mistakes. I think ultimately the goal, it ended with Brazil winning 1-0 against Switzerland here, but the goal didn't come till the 83rd minute. It came off of a Casemiro shot that deflected, I think, twice on the way to the goal. So it wasn't even a beautifully, cleanly taken shot. It just ended up being that it bounced right for Brazil. Uh, so Brazil with this game are not guaranteed to go through. But but Switzerland, I, I mean, it, out of this group, I mean they have to they have to close against Serbia. So we'll talk about some of those uh, some of those scenarios. But Switzerland looked like we've talked about them looking. They just looked good. They didn't look exceptional. They only had a couple chances, but they looked good. Yeah, they're a solid side. I'll be honest, uh, any time I see Granite Xhaka lose, I'm happy. Uh, that guy's annoying. So uh, I can understand that. I'm, uh, I'm not heartbroken, but um, yeah, it was a tight game. And like I think you called very tactical yesterday, and that's what we saw. Um, not, not as exciting as maybe I had hoped, but certainly still a good football match. Absolutely. Final game of today, Portugal Uruguay. So this was this game was actually really really close for most of the contest. Uh, it, it, so Cristiano Ronaldo wheeled off as though he was celebrating his incredible goal in the 54th minute in only a way that Cristiano Ronaldo can. When in reality, Bruno Fernandez crossed the ball to him, and he whiffed the header, and the goalkeeper reacted as though Cristiano was going to head the ball. And so it just went past both of them and into the goal. So not the most beautiful goal in the world. Cristiano wheeled off as though he had scored it, though, and started, you know, kissing fans and doing his dance. Uh, Eventually was awarded correctly to Bruno Fernandes. So excited about that part. Uh, But Portugal didn't look like they owned this game. I mean, that was the only real opportunity, and it was kind of a whiff by the goalkeeper. Uh, Uruguay really kind of owned them in the last 20 minutes, attacked a ton until finally there was a penalty awarded to Portugal in the 93rd minute. Uh, again, Bruno Fernandes scores that one. So, uh, you know, he's he's really developing into the leader of this team and, and will be for the foreseeable future once Cristiano uh, is, is kind of seen into the sunset. So that was today's games. Any other comments there, Josh? 
yeah, I uh, I mean Portugal's top of their group and likely going through, but I think that they'll uh, I think they'll be exposed when they face some tougher competition than uh, maybe like the the Uruguay we saw today. So uh, I don't know how far they'll go into the tournament, but I'm I'm thinking possibly not that far once we get out of the groups. Agree. All right, so next up, we are going to talk through some of the qualification scenarios, what teams are in with the likeliest chance, what teams are in with 100% chances, and what teams are without or are out with a 100% uh, guarantee. So we'll go through a little bit of that. Again, we have a guest joining us. His name is Zach, and he is going to nerd out. So we will be back shortly with him. Okay, so... We are now here with our statistics analyst. <laughs> sure. I'll, I don't know. I'll, what do you I'll want to call yourself, handle. Zach? Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Good enough. What do you want to call him, Josh? Our beloved friend. Beloved friend. That's even Sounds better. Sounds better than a name. So here with our beloved off. friend. Oh, whoa. Whoa. Okay. All right. So we're here with our beloved friend. And uh, he is he is here to walk us through some of the probabilities for each of the teams. We are going to pay special attention to the U.S. game, I promise you, and especially the U.S. playing scenarios, because we have a couple of different things that could play out in tomorrow's matches uh, that, that will determine who we play, where we play, and when we play. So, um, you know, we know what we're aiming for. It's the round of 16. We know who we're aiming for. We don't really care. It's whoever we play in the next game. But we're going to walk through who the likely scenarios are uh, for the U.S. and then also for the rest of the teams in the tournament. So Group A and B tomorrow. Let's walk through Group A and some of the qualification scenarios that we have on that one. Mr. Statistics Man, how do you want to do this? Do you want to walk through the most likely teams? Do you want to walk through this group by group? Or do you want to walk through this game by game? I'll let you make the call. Mm. Well, that's a good question. So I think it may be helpful to first establish some some statistical guidelines. A safe Uh, word. Not exactly, no. Um, So from, and and, and a lot of what, what I've gleaned has been courtesy of Nate Silver at 530A to and has a massive, incredibly successful uh, analytics shop. Uh, Shout out to Nate. And uh, Nate. So he's... Should be Nate Gold. Uh, he's Wait, worked day, out Nate, a, a, lot get there. These, um, a lot of these historic um, trends. And, and so looking back at history, we've seen... Uh, so we really have to start with um, with since the formation of the current World Cup format, because otherwise there, there's no good way to, to really make any meaningful statistical reference. Um, so uh, in, in the period of time where we've had the, the current format, which I think was what the 98 World Cup, Something like that. Anyway, You're talking about as far um, as team counts concerned and group count, all that. Yeah, yeah. How how that. Yeah. How it's constructed. Um, sure. So. Yep. yep. 
um, to get out of group stage and into the knockout rounds. Uh, historically, if you have uh, if you have fewer than three points, you are automatically eliminated. So we won't even uh, really consider that. Um, but uh, if you have at the end of group stage, if you have three total points then uh, only one team has ever made it into um, has ever made it into the knockout rounds with only three points. Um, and if you ask me off the top of my head who that team was, I couldn't tell you. But only one of them ever made it out of 31 teams that have ended their group stage with uh, with three points. Um, where you get the most divergence is teams that have four points at the end of the group stage. There have been 33 teams so far that have ended their group stage with four points uh, since this uh, current constitution began uh, with World Cup formation. So uh, out of those 33 teams, 17 of them advanced. So just over 50%. Um, ended up making it into the knockouts with four points. Five or six points, uh, nobody has ever not qualified. Um, I think so six let me points, pause you, for you just automatically a qualify. And, Josh, uh, does that points. surprise you? No, that makes sense, because if you're finished with four points, that means you've got a win and a draw and a loss. And likely someone else in your group is going to they, someone would have had to draw you. Um, another win and a loss isn't unheard of. So two teams finishing with four, only one of them is likely to go through, of like them, and then the other, the person who wins the group probably has more than four points. So right around half finishing um, with four points go up, and half finishing with four points don't make it through the group. So that about makes sense. And then I'm a little surprised no team with five. I guess, how could you finish with five points? It's a win and a draw and a draw. Win, so, draw, draw. Yeah, so I guess that makes sense how they you would like have to go through, basically, if you're winning, drawing, drawing. So, yeah, it's statistically, uh, it is possible, but it's very unlikely, and it's never happened. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to win, draw, draw, and someone else would probably too, and have a better goal differential. It'd be a very unique situation, it sounds like. So, yeah, yeah. I think I'm following. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, uh, just a few more things to go over as as we before we get into specific teams and and what their what their odds are, um, what their what the probability model says um, is their is their most likely outcome. Uh, so, if you win your opening match in in the group stage, I, I think we we all know. You have an eighty-four percent chance of advancing. It's it's such a huge advantage to go in, get that early win, and uh, have three points in the bank. Uh, that it gives you so much of a cushion that uh, you can generally absorb even a loss um, and still make it out. Uh, if whereas if you lose your opening match, you're looking at about 11% of teams that lose their opening match advance. So really 
really steep difference between winning and losing. Now, of course, as you would imagine, where the where the most interesting stats come in, similar to getting four points in group stage, if you open with a draw, then 59% of those teams advance um, overall. Now, you know, you, you've, that still leaves plenty of room for, for shocks uh, in, in every World Cup. Um, but you are, you are more likely than not by a relatively slim margin uh, to advance if you draw. Uh, so the U.S. drawing against Wales statistically wasn't the end of the world. That was about all the the prerequisites that I wanted to go over before getting into any specific matches. Uh, Owen or Josh, do you have? Okay. Uh, yeah. So let's let's just for just one second, just so all the people that are fifth graders like me can understand this. Um. So what? Let's just let's distill this down to: you win your first game. What's the percentage that you go through? Eighty-four percent. You lose your first game. What's the percentage that you get through? 11%. You tie your first game. What's the percentage you go through? 59%. Boom. Okay. So those are kind of the base level stats that we, that we have to work with. We know the U S drew their first game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, decent chance. If we end with three points, what was that total? It was like one in 30-something teams that have gone through with three points or less. One out, Only one out of 31 teams have ever advanced uh, right. by so finishing group stage with three points. It's less than 4%. So, you know, the U.S. here is is really in a, in a scenario where they have to win, obviously, in order to have enough points. But from a historical and statistical perspective, it, we're very much in the spot that, that we – that we think we are as far as, you know, having to draw that or drawing that first game, we had good odds drawing the second game. The odds actually went down. Mm-hmm. And so now we're, we're in a spot where we have to win. So, okay. Yeah. That helps shed some light. So let's move on to some of the specifics around the teams that we have and, and kind of what the progression looks like. And I'll let you break this down by team. And if you, or you can break it down by group either way. And I'll, I'll kind of pause and interject with, uh, where those teams sit in groups, if you decide to go by team or if you go by group, uh, then I'll just shed some color around kind of the matches that we have tomorrow for that specific group. So take it away. Yeah. So, well, uh, where would you like to start? Because we've mathematically only eliminated two teams uh, so far. What are those so two teams? Still... Let's talk about uh, those that. Those are uh, Qatar and Canada. <clears throat> uh, okay. Through... Uh, through the end of uh, today's play, uh, they have zero points. They are eliminated. Um, okay. Yeah. The best they could do and is do three we have points. any? Right. And mathematically, right. it won't get them through. We also have teams with six points, right, Kazi? Yes, there are Which... a few. Uh, let's see. I believe that there are three teams with six points. And mathematically, um, so... they've always gone through. Uh, mathematically, they must go through because yep. you because you've uh, given zero points. There to can't two other be teams. Th- there can't be three teams in a group that get six points. Yep. Um, so uh, because you're only playing three games and you're playing each other, uh, just the way that it works out is if you win two games, you 
must mathematically go through. Yeah, so we've got France in Group D with six points, two wins already. We've got Brazil yep. in Group G, same situation, mm -hmm. two wins. And we've got Portugal in Group H. Yes. Guaranteed through. So, yes, and they're, they're the only ones that have mathematically clinched uh, the round of 16. But there are a few other teams that... Uh, would have to have some really extraordinary things happen to not make it at this point. Uh, one yeah. of those is Spain. Uh, they've got four points. Um, you know, they're, they're projected at a greater than 99% uh, probability of advancing, um, along with Germany is, uh, is the most likely candidate to join them out of Group E. Um, Germany, which is wild because only... Germany's on one point. Yes. On one point, <laughs> it is. It is kind of amazing um, that, but that that is what the model says. Uh, I believe that Germany has to play Costa Rica. Uh -huh. uh, that's my recollection. So yes. they, they are projected to beat Costa Rica, uh, and the way that that would work out would necessary and Spain is projected to beat Japan. Um, so that's how that would work out to uh, Spain and Germany being uh, the favored two to win uh, in their group. Okay, so let's sit on this group for a little bit because this is an interesting one to me. So you have Spain who came out and demolished Costa Rica. Right, so they win that first yes. game seven to zero. Seven zero, yeah. Which is and why so, they have such a massive probability right, of making the round of sixteen right. because of that goal differential. Goal differential matters so much in the World Cup, and so that's why you see Costa Rica, even though they're sitting on three points and Germany's on one, so much further down the probability table because they still have a negative six goal differential despite beating Japan. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think that's kind of the 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 crazy thing in this group. And I, I understand why Germany has the greatest probability to go through because Costa Rica is is the least talented team on paper, even though they they had kind of a late upset against Japan uh, to get those three points. Uh, Germany still will be heavily favored to beat them. And even if Japan manages to tie Spain, it, it gets it's gets complicated. We start getting into the fair play thing, and it's going to get down to the goals for goals against. Um, and it, it'll depend on, and this is again, why Germany has a greater probability. If Germany wins that game, that means they have three, four, three against, uh, if Japan draws that game zero, zero against Spain, that means they only have two, four, two against. So they would be taken down to third place behind Germany in that scenario. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I get why they're higher probability, but that is pretty crazy on one point to be kind of yeah. the favored second place team. Yeah, that was that was one of the things that as I was reviewing the uh, the tables I was really surprised that uh, just initially when you see like one point and you're re really you have you have a 67% uh, probability of making the round of 16 that seems un unexpected, but when you start yeah, thinking yeah. about matchups and not just overall numbers, you uh, you know the the old uh, saying in in poker is you you don't play the cards you're dealt you play the man across from you, you. got to know so, when to hold him and know when to fold him so 
Yes. Uh, I well, uh, okay. I, I learned that from Kevin Malone. Um, so right. Yeah. Um, okay. So the other, I want to focus on three other groups real quick because we've talked about Spain, that Germany, that weird one. So let's focus mm-hmm. on the three groups where we already have somebody guaranteed to go through because we okay, have fewer sure. scenarios in those groups um, because we have a team on six points. So uh, let's let's look at the two that played today, G and H, and let's start on Group H. So we have Portugal there, guaranteed to go through on six points. Yep. The rest of the group sitting on three points for Ghana, one for South Korea, one for for Uruguay. So who's our favorite to go through in the second place slot there? Oh man, well uh, they are uh, projecting right now that Uruguay has a forty nine percent chance of making it through um as as the second place team out of group h uh group h has struggled honestly um you know they they're they're not they're not delivering with the same level of of strength that that you'd expect ghana has three points already and they're the closest uh competitor to Uruguay uh, w- as far as a uh, an analytical model projection uh, you're looking at a 42 percent uh, chance but uh, South Korea with only one point uh, that there a lot would have to happen uh, for them to get that second spot just a crushing crushing loss for them today mm-hmm. the game had a ton of drama i get so i get here why uruguay is is the favored but what we've seen from ghana they've only been involved in two games so far like everybody else both games three two they won one they lost one so there's a lot of goals in this team and uruguay has scored zero goals so far so it looks like there's not as many goals in that team so I understand why the model projects it that way. I still like Ghana to to squeak out a point at least uh, in that final game. You think so? So, I do. I like mm-hmm. Ghana. I like Ghana. They really they took it to Portugal. Really should have won that game. Uh, they showed a lot of heart and beat South Korea. So yeah, I, I like I like Ghana to get through there. Okay. So uh, just right. just so you're tracking the uh, the model for that particular matchup uh, shows Uruguay at a fifty seven percent chance of uh, an outright win Ghana with only a 16% uh, probability of an outright win and a 27% chance of draw. Hmm. This is where gut kicks in. Yeah. And, and to, to in. believe in a team like Ghana looking, looking at uh, their recent history and their roster. And uh, I think you, you do have to make a, a gut call on that rather than, rather than a call on paper. Absolutely. Yeah, I see them way, way down here as far as uh, probability to go through. That's pretty, pretty crazy. Only a, what is that? Second place, they only have a, well, they have a 41% chance there, but that's second to Uruguay with 49% chance. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to group G, the second group that played today. So Brazil obviously threw already. Uh, They have not conceded a goal yet. Really, really. We talked about this earlier. Workman-like performance from Switzerland today. Um I don't think there's any way that Switzerland's not the second team through here, but but tell me tell me what our odds are, Kazi, and tell me why I'm wrong. Okay, well, I'm unlikely to tell you you're wrong unless you believe 
as I believe uh, one of you stated in one of your earlier podcasts that you really, you believed in Serbia as a potential threat here in this group stage. I said um, dark horse. So if, if, if you believe that Serbia has, has a strong chance uh, to, to pull the upset, then I can, I can sort of buy maybe not saying Switzerland uh, takes the, uh, the second spot there. Um, but Cameroon, I mean, technically they could mathematically get in, but they play Brazil, uh, in, in the final game and they only have one point. Uh, a lot would have to happen. A lot of bad improbable things would have to happen for them to even have a prayer. They're all but eliminated from this. They have the lowest probability of any remaining team that's not officially eliminated at 2%. Um, Ouch. Even Tunisia has a has a higher probability of getting in out of Group D at 4%. Oof. Um, Oof. So that, that's it's dire straits for, for uh, Cameroon at this point. Um, but Serbia, you know, they, they're in with a prayer. They have, they have more, they have more than, more than, uh, uh, more than a small chance of making it through. They're they're sitting at 30%. Uh, you know, it's, it's unlikely, uh, vis-a-vis Switzerland, um, sitting at a 68% probability. I mean, and Switzerland looked good today, honestly, that, that they held up strong against Brazil, disciplined, uh, that no nonsense, uh, maintained quality defense. But I, I, I don't see Switzerland collapsing uh, against Serbia, um, which is what would have to happen. Um, for right. Serbia to squeak by because Switzerland already has three points. Um, I, I think they're, they're still justifiably the favorites uh, in that matchup. And, and so that is, that is the final matchup. So you've got Switzerland playing Serbia for that spot. Serbia yes. has to get the win. Switzerland is likely through with a draw and definitely through with a win. Uh, um, I believe Cameroon... Switzerland is automatically through with a win. Yes, with a win and, and, and with a likely draw. through with a draw. I think so. Switzerland would have four points in a draw to Serbia's two. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it, so it's just in the event Cameroon, that Cameroon beats Brazil. If right. Cameroon beats Brazil significantly, I I don't have off the top of my head. I don't have the goal differentials for them, but so they're they're pretty it, close. It would, so Switzerland's be, Switzerland's at even. And Cameroon's only at minus one. So Cameroon would have to beat Brazil by two zero or more. Mm-hmm. And Switzerland gets the draw. So it's a, it's a long shot. I will say this is the one thing and I'll, I'll come back to this later as well as we talk through more of these scenarios, but this world cup, it's worth noting that it's, it's a condensed schedule. So typically these tournaments are six to seven weeks long. Yes. This one is only a four week tournament. And so I think that a lot of these teams that are nailed on through to the second round 
may rest a lot of starters in this final game. So I think you may see Brazil sit a ton of starters. We know Neymar's obviously out. He didn't play today. We had a picture from his hotel room with his walking boot on. Although there was a guy in the stands that looked exactly like Neymar that was <laughs> tweeting and saying that I'm taking the game in from the stands and taking pictures with fans. It then later came out that it was not Neymar. So that was pretty cool. But uh, France, Portugal, Brazil, I think you could see them rest a lot of players because I don't think they care who they get in the round of 16. And it could give a chance for somebody like Cameroon to, to go out and hang up three on a team like Brazil. And in any other scenario, they, they wouldn't have a chance to do that. Yeah. Uh, so. And so that, that is, that is a, uh, something that makes over-reliance on statistical models, uh, a, a fool's errand because this is not like, I just, I want to pause for just one second. Cup. That was the smartest sentence that you will ever hear on this podcast. <laughs> I just, I want to let our audience know that was our peak. It's all downhill from here. Thank you. Go ahead. Well, uh, this world cup, as you've mentioned, uh, is not, it's not quite like the past several that we've had. So relying on models that are predicated upon prior performance uh, in World Cups that were much longer with more rest, you need to be very careful about saying, well, because the model said this in, uh, in a previous World Cup, it must be also true in this. Not necessarily. That, that is very valid that you need to uh, you need to have that in the back of your mind when you're when you're looking at, at these odds tables and not not dismissing out of hand the possibility of a shocking upset, and we've had some some shocking upsets already, uh, even even early on in in group stage, some real surprises. That uh, I mean, obviously, most notably was Saudi Arabia's victory. I mean, it was just nobody saw that coming. But I think that factor of a condensed schedule will definitely have some kind of effect in the third round of group stage. Um, so, yeah, we, we could definitely see some real upsets. But at the same time, you have to figure all these teams are pretty tired by now or certainly going to be, you know, 60 minutes into uh, the third match. So th there's definitely opportunity for upset. There's also opportunity for blowout uh, in a more expected way. Yes. Yes. Josh, I know that you're itching to talk about this because I'm itching to talk about it too. Not only is this unprecedented in that it's a condensed schedule, we're also in the middle of every other major European league's season. Yes. So fatigue isn't just fatigue. So th there are benefits and there are drawbacks to this, right? So playing a ton of games is going to wear on legs. The other side of it that I've heard that makes a ton of sense is you also have players that are truly in form at this point. So 
that has made potentially, and, and we've seen this in a lot of games, the level of play elevated a little bit more over previous World Cups where you do have even more of those crazy upsets. Uh, but but talk to me a little bit about that, Josh, how this falls as a winter World Cup instead of a, a standard summer World Cup. We've never had this. Yeah, I'm not quite sure I buy the uh, improved play because everyone's in form argument. I think in particular because there's so many injuries we saw leading up to the World Cup, and you have players like Saudi Omane, who's not playing in this World Cup. And, uh, I mean, we can name a few others. And I think that that's a bigger factor, is players are playing in their leagues, injured, and then all of a sudden they're out of the World Cup. Or, I mean, I kind of felt like I was watching some league matches, and players weren't giving 100% because they didn't want to get injured before the World Cup. And you can play your club... You know, you get you get like what, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen years to play, uh, for your club and try and win trophies with them. You get two maybe World Cups in your in your life to try and get glory for your country. So I think that, um, yeah, I think players were trying to conserve themselves, but as soon as you start doing that, you're your timing's off on certain things. If you if you're not playing at 100 percent uh, or like building up to it in practices steadily, if you're if you're in full speed games but not not going at 100 percent, it's gonna throw you off and you, it's hard to step back into that after you're off your rhythm. So, do you have any other thoughts? Well, I, yes. I mean, no, but yes. I, I think the the example of this, the really specific example is I've watched both these Korea games now, and Hyungmin Son, who's one of the most talented players in the world, just as a dribbler, as a as a forward overall, can take the ball and score from anywhere in and around the 18, hasn't been himself. He had some soft tissue problems. He's wearing that face mask because he had an orbital fracture coming into this tournament. So some of those guys, I mean, it's just there are more injuries that we're dealing with. I mean, France has performed, even though I said they wouldn't very publicly multiple times, they have performed and they have performed really well, even though they're missing, uh, they're missing Kareem Benzema, who's a balloon door winner. Oh yeah. Recent one. This, this year. And they're missing two of the best holding engine room midfielders in the world are also missing out on this tournament. So we have a lot of injuries across the board. And I think, I think you're right there. There were, te- there were pe- definitely players that were, that were holding back for their club teams and now are, uh, are hurting this tournament. So last point on this, and then I want to, I want to move on to the rest of the group scenarios. All right. So we also have another guaranteed. Let's, let's look at group D. So France is through, we've already talked about group E, Spain, Germany, Costa Rica, Japan. So let's look at group D. So France is through already. And this is the group with my Socceroos. Future Newcastle legend, Garang Kuel. 18 years old, debuting at the World Cup. The ninth youngest player ever to play in a World Cup. He didn't get in last game, and they won. I don't think it's his fault. It's not his fault. It's France's fault. Uh, hoping to see a few more minutes out of him in this final game. But let's talk about Group D and our, our scenarios there, Mr. Kazi. Yeah, so uh, France, as I think we've already established, they've already clinched 
they're they're going through regardless with two wins. Um, and France will play Tunisia um, in that in that third game. So uh, don't hold your breath if you're Tunisia. Um, you've got a four percent chance, uh, but it would it would take a an upset on the order of of Cameroon's victory uh, in order to to have a real shot. Um, the much more compelling matchup uh, on Wednesday to me is Australia Denmark and your Socceroos. Um, they they have they have a non-zero chance for sure. I, uh, they're looking at an, a forty percent chance overall, forty-five uh, percent, excuse me, of of clearing group stage uh, because they have those three points um, already uh, in the bag. So uh, they they have a real shot at at squeaking through. Um, but they are going up against a, a strong, capable, disciplined team in Denmark that uh, only has the one point, but is still favored in their matchup uh, to come out with with an outright victory. Uh, so they so Denmark is still the favorite to join France. Um, you're you're looking at a 52% win probability for Denmark versus Australia, uh, the way that the, the model has them matched up based on uh, running, I think, 2,500 simulations. Um, and uh, Australia has a 20% chance of winning outright, uh, but there is a 28% draw probability. Um, draw obviously favors Australia substantially. Um, because they have yeah, already they, have the three they, points. they go through if they draw. Yeah, I mean, yes. they, well, they don't. Uh, they're not guaranteed to go through because Tunisia could, in theory, beat France. Could beat but, France, uh, but that Australia has a has a very good chance of getting through if they draw. Uh, they will get through if they win. Yeah. So this so, is this is the this is the group where I look at it and I say France is going to rest every single player. I wouldn't blame them. It, it is. It, it's basically a snowball's chance that they don't end first in this group. So even if they're aiming for first, they basically have that locked in. And it would take, let, let me do the quick math here. So it would take Australia beating Denmark by seven goals or more for, for Australia to take first in this group. I love my Socceroos. I'm very public about that. I don't think they're going to beat Denmark 7-0. Denmark I'm going to put that out goals. there. <clears throat> no. So I think France rests everybody here. And so we could talk about what that does to team chemistry, whether it's just kind of the offensive people like Mbappe or um, and, and Griezmann, or if it's actually everybody. Um, but I could see Tunisia looked really, really good against Denmark. And I think Australia kind of stole that game from them. Uh, and so, you know, you could see a, a Tunisia team that's fighting for their lives that goes out and beats France because France is sitting everybody that's 
that's a main starter for them. And then somehow my soccerers miss out on this. So I hope that doesn't happen, but this is the, the one that's ripe for upset in my mind, as far as the, the group toppers right now. I, I just, I, I have a hard time personally believing that, uh, because France has been so good, even with the players that they're missing, and you know, even if they rest uh, somebody like Mbappe, uh, they they just have so much talent. Like this ridiculous lineup that you know the people that they're normally pulling off their bench would start for almost any other team in this in this tournament. So I, I have a hard time seeing Tunisia. Uh, pulling the upset here, um, but you know, uh, uh, for all the reasons that we've talked about already, you know, th- there is definitely a non-zero chance. I mean, uh, uh, there's not a great chance. I think they have a uh, an eleven percent uh, probability of of beating France outright, um, and that would shift if you know, in, on on a real time basis. Uh, if France decides, yeah, we're not even going to start any of our our key players, um, but it w- I don't even even so I don't think that it would shift to even fifty fifty. Um, yeah, Denmark. I yeah. I have a question for for you guys. Do you do you see Australia having enough attacking talent to get past Denmark's strong defense, captained by a a uh, I, I somebody that I have a, a uh, I guess some some unpleasant memories of from uh, Liverpool fandom, Casper uh, uh, Schmeichel, um, just you know sit, sitting in goal, one of the best in the world. Um, do do you think that Australia has has the kind of weaponry to to make a a real sustained attack on on that defense? Well. Denmark's all, I think Denmark with them only having one goal this tournament, Australia only needs one if that's uh if that's the pattern. So I think they can I think they can make one happen. Yeah, Australia, I mean they're gonna play this game the same way they've played the other games, and that is they're gonna sit in and wait for the counter. And you know, I think Denmark had the game brought to them by Tunisia. I think France obviously is a possession hog. So, you know, you're looking at two teams that that really played Denmark very differently. And so I think there's definitely a world in which Australia's strengths are being played to. And I say strengths very loosely because you kind of want to be the the team with the ball in, in many circumstances, unless you are only set up to play without the ball. And that's kind of the way that Australia set up here. So it, it kind of reminds me of an underfunded Rafa Benitez Newcastle. You know, the goal was to have 35% possession, maybe, and then score two goals on the break. <laughs> and so that's kind of how I look at this Australia team is, is they, they're going to have their chances and they've got some pace. They showed that against France. They opened the scoring in that game. And I, you know, I like the, I like the Socceroos to, to kind of hold tight here and either, uh, I, I don't think it's going to be goalless. I'll say that. I think one-one is the most likely scenario, uh, and if if the second most likely scenario, if I can kind of, I guess I'm not going to put percentages on it, is probably a, a Denmark win two-one. But that's going to take some grit from Denmark because they just have mm-hmm. not shown that they have 
the striker, the true number nine, the out and out forward that can that can slot it in. So it's gonna it's gonna take Christian Erickson. All right. All right. So on to group C. And this is the surprising one. Poland as the topper. I had Poland going out in third place in kind of my mental bracket here with Argentina running away. Uh, obviously, Kazi, you mentioned this earlier, but the Saudi Arabia-Argentina game early in the tournament flipped this uh, this group on its head entirely. Um, Saudi Arabia then, of course, going out and, um, and, and losing after that wasn't great for them. But... I think you know the 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 final game here is that Poland Argentina game, so points are going to go to somebody in this final match, and so Saudi Arabia and Mexico, one of those two teams, whoever wins that game has. I mean, if Saudi Arabia wins, obviously they're going to go through, but they even have a shot if they tie it, and if Mexico wins, they have a real opportunity uh, to to go through here, provided Poland actually give Argentina a game. So talk me through some of the scenarios and percentages on that group. Yeah. So this this may be the tightest group. Uh, it's it, it's not a it's not a big spread. There there's not that one team that's already won twice. Uh there no nobody's clinched here. Um and and nobody's even in that in that position of you know a, 99% plus percent probability it's uh it's a lot tighter than that so you've got argentina uh sitting on three points um along with uh a matchup against poland who has four points so they are it's kind of what the the model has them at uh, 77% and 76% respectively for making group of 16. Uh, make it, make which, yeah. Which is just, I, I don't, I don't think that there's a closer uh, matchup in group stage at, for, for the final, for the final game of the group stage. Um, so that, that gets pretty interesting when you look at the, at the projections um you've got argentina i think mainly because of the talent on paper figured to uh to win at a 58% over poland um but poland has that one extra point over argentina uh so an outright win by argentina takes them to 6 they're they're in for sure, um, and then keeps Poland at four, which means that that Saudi Arabia Mexico determines Poland's fate. Um, you've got so Mexico's Saudi- going to be favored in this game. Mexico's yes, going to be favored in this game. They are, and and so if they get to four points, it's really gonna it's going to come down to how many Mexico can score and how many. Poland can prevent Argentina from scoring. Yes. Uh, and so yes. that swing there is four goals, which is yeah. significant the, between the two games. Yeah. The, there is there is a lot to play for here um, for all four teams. 
and that that I think is is what makes for uh, such a a fun group is going into this. All four teams have not just a theoretical mathematical chance, but they have a real chance to get it. Right, and that that just makes for much more exciting football. It, Absolutely, uh, Saudi Arabia has been surprising and plucky and uh you know i i heard it mentioned on one of the shows they they said that saudi arabia i think was the the highest ranked asian team to come into the tournament that's that's iran but yes saudi arabia is the they topped their group in qualification so oh that's what it was um yeah yeah, so they're they're not they're not bad, and and we'll get to Group B in a second, but yeah, Iran is is no joke either. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get to that in a minute, but uh, yeah, in, in the Saudi Arabia Mexico game, you're looking at uh, an abnormally high uh, draw percentage uh, in the model. You're at a 31 percent probability of a draw, which is higher than most. Um, uh-huh. and, uh, but Mexico is definitely still favored. Uh, they're, they're at a 46% win probability. Saudi Arabia is only down at 23%. Um, but so you have, you have a more than 75% chance that Poland goes through a number two here, which is kind of what we talked about earlier yep. based on those numbers, because you've got to have Mexico win, but also win big and, and Poland lose big. So, right. yeah. So, which is why Poland right. is at that, uh, at that 76% uh, probability of making uh, the round of 16. Um, right. Yeah. The, okay. Go ahead. I was just going to say, so la- you get your last thought on group C and then we're going to move to group A before we do group B. Yeah. Poland in theory is, is in the best position because they have the most points, but they're going up against uh, what ought to be the toughest opponent in the group. So there's there's going to be a lot of excitement, I think, uh, on Wednesday. Good deal. Cool. Okay, so we actually, let's see here. We've done H, we've done G, we've done E, we've done D, we just did C. There's one letter in the alphabet that we didn't do before we do group A and B, because those are the ones that are going to impact the U S the most. Mm-hmm. I think we missed group F where we have, uh, and we did talk a little bit about the one team that's automatically been eliminated in Canada. Yes. And I just want to, I want to, I want to throw this out there. Canada has played a wonderful tournament. They will be back in four years. I have no doubt. Uh, just a, Absolutely fantastic team. I know the title of our podcast yesterday poked fun at them a little bit. Uh, so I'm not sorry about that, but sad to see Canada go home here. I would love to see a lot more CONCACAF teams here uh, and and kind of progressing and going through. I, I don't think that we're going to have any after tomorrow, except for the U.S. or after the end of this week, rather. But uh, it, you know, sad to see Canada go home early. So the remaining teams here, this is another really tight one because we have Croatia sitting on four points. They just had a dominant win against Canada. We have Morocco on four points who has looked amazing and just upset Belgium. And we have Belgium sitting on three points. Uh, the golden generation of Belgium. 
So Wait, uh, what what let's, color let's talk generation? To the, Sorry, uh, it's the golden generation of the silver generation of Belgium. Uh, they've actually turned out to be a little bit more of like a tin foil generation uh, with no silverware to their name. Oh, but yeah. they haven't been that great. And so let's talk about Group F for a little bit and and uh, what what the matchups are there and, and kind of what our probabilities look like. Yeah. So the on paper uh, because of Morocco's success, uh, particularly against Belgium. Uh, they are actually sitting at a 91% probability of making round of 16. Um, and, Morocco, and it's because they close out against Canada and Croatia and Belgium have to play each yes, other, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. they, they so are that's a big deal. heavily favored to beat Canada. Um, and, and, and Morocco, they, they're not going to be sitting people unnecessarily um, or uh, they're not going to be sitting people due to already being in because they're not in yet. They, they do have to still produce in order to make it in. Um, so they're sitting on four points, as you said, uh, they'll face Canada. And then in the other matchup, we're looking at Croatia v. Belgium. And that is a tight game uh, in terms of the the modeling, uh, there's a 39% win probability for Croatia and a 33% probability for Belgium. Uh, Belgium needs the win more than Croatia does. Um, I think uh, because of Belgium's loss, they're sitting at a, uh, I think it's a 33% probability of, of making the round of 16 at all um, regardless of what what the outcome in the rest of the group is um, so that is going to be uh, all to play for there um, and yeah so and Belgium is in a scenario where if they lose they're done of course because they're on three of Morocco and Croatia on yep. four points each yep but if Belgium draw they're they're done. I mean, they're not mathematically done, but it would take Canada beating Morocco 3-0 or more. Yeah. Actually, 4-0 or more because they'd have to go negative because Morocco has more goals scored. So there's there's a... <laughs> it's a tough yeah. path for Belgium. Yeah. It's a tough path for Belgium. Which is shocking, um, you know, considering the rhetoric and the hype that, that surrounded yes. this team at the at the outset of the tournament. That they were well, and in the last in the last twelve months, they flip flop with Brazil for the number one team in the world. They came into this tournament ranked number two in the world. So Brazil, Belgium, Argentina, France, England are the top five. Number six is Italy, who's also not at this tournament. Uh, but you've got you've got Belgium ranked number two in the world right now, and they're about to crash out in the group stages. Just absolutely. Yeah, wild. I think I think if we we're going to pin it on one thing, it's probably the. Uh absence of Divock Origi at this World Cup. I think that's what we would put it on. <laughs> I mean, most likely. Oh, God. Don't listen to these people. They're both Liverpool fans. Uh, Origi is good for a 91st minute winner. Hey. Uh, so, yeah, they probably could have used yeah. him. Yeah. Maybe Lukaku? I, I, maybe you've heard of him. I don't know. He's good. Probably not. Tor- Torgan Hazard? I, I mean, like he hasn't seen a lot of game time, so... 
All right. Um, anything else we want to wrap up on with Group F in that Croatia, Belgium, Morocco, Canada group? Do y'all have any uh, prediction for how Croatia, Belgium is going to shake out, or are we doing that later? Oof. No, we'll. We'll. I'll do it now. I'll do it now. Um, I, I think. Uh, I think Croatia's. I think Croatia's going to win that game. I do. I, I think Belgium looks dejected, and I mean they 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 got very very lucky against Canada to get the points that they have. Um, Croatia is better than Morocco, I would argue, and so I just I think Croatia's going to come out playing for this because they want to make sure they go through. And they probably want to top this group. So I think Croatia's going to win that game. Yeah, I got mm-hmm. uh, 2 1. Croatia wins. Nice. Yep. That may change next podcast, but who knows? All right. <laughs> All right. On to group A, which this is the group that matters for the US. And I'll explain why. It's because Saturday. December 3rd at 10 a.m. Eastern time, so 9 a.m. Central. The first place team from Group A will play the second place team from Group B. That will be the round of 16 match. So in a lot of these models, you have the U.S. being that second place team. Um, in theory, and we're going to talk through some of the scenarios for Group B, but uh, the other game is going to be at 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central on Sunday, and that will be the first place team from Group B versus the second place team from Group A. So Groups A and B are going to play each other in the round of 16, first place against second, second against first, uh, and so that's that's why these groups matter the most. So Group A right now, Netherlands, Ecuador, in first, second, then you have Senegal and uh, Qatar, as Clint Dempsey has called it all tournament long, <laughs> in fourth there. And they are automatically eliminated at this point, but they close out against the Dutch. So mm-hmm. the real matchup here is going to be the Ecuador-Senegal game. So Kazi, talk us through what the percentages are for each of these teams and, and what, what that looks like for uh, who, who the U.S. might face. Okay, so... Uh, you're looking right now at, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, Qatar has to close out against the Netherlands, and that that looks ugly for Qatar. I mean, they they've looked ill prepared to be here all tournament, really. And uh, the Netherlands is they're sitting at a 99 plus percent uh, probability of making the round of 16 because they're playing Qatar. Uh, in in the final match of group stage, and their win probability is seventy eight percent. I think that's the the biggest spread uh, left. <laughs> it's it's almost certainly going to be a Netherlands victory. It, it would be probably the shock of the tournament if the Netherlands outright lost to Qatar. Um, it. Qatar only has a 7% win probability. They're already eliminated. You know, it, they would have to be playing with uh, basically a new people on their team, um, better people, uh, to really have a realistic chance. Um, 
so yeah, the the more interesting matchup there is definitely Ecuador Senegal. Uh, so Ecuador right now, uh, they are sitting on four points, uh, whereas Senegal only has three. That puts Senegal at a significant disadvantage. Uh, so Ecuador, you've got a 71% chance of uh, clearing group stage and getting into the round of 16, whereas Senegal, uh, at least on paper, they've only got a 30% shot. Um, they would have to... Yeah, barring a shocking upset from... Uh, from Qatar against the Netherlands, Senegal would would have to win this game um, to make it. And Ecuador has not looked bad uh, so far this turn, in in my opinion, anyway. Um, and the, they're they're favored not by a lot. Uh, they're favored. Uh, it's thirty seven percent to thirty percent. In terms of win probability, but you do get I, probably the highest in the remaining matches, highest probability of a draw at thirty three percent. But that goes to Ecuador's favor being a point ahead. Mm-hmm. So the way I'm reading this, Netherlands, Ecuador, if either of them draw, they're guaranteed. If they if they win, they're guaranteed. Yep. That's so the way this the, the only so, yeah. the only the only real uh, scenario in which uh, in which that gets more interesting is if the Netherlands loses. Right. Which I don't see happening. Uh, there has been a lot of talk about our friend Cody Gakpo, who's a winger for the Netherlands team, 23 years old. The kid is blazing fast and 6'4". He's got two goals in this tournament already. Mm-hmm. Evidently, he is already being identified as the replacement for Cristiano Ronaldo, which I hate with everything <laughs> in me. I hate it. Why but is that? They, evident, evidently, they've already opened talks with him. Ah, it's the worst. Just another another great young player goes to die at the worst club in the world after Sunderland and Everton. But they're not relevant, so it's okay. All right. Hey, um, yeah. Assuming that the United States finishes second in our group, when that happens, what team of Group A between the Netherlands, Ecuador, and Senegal would you want to face? So which group team would you want to win the group? Which would you least like to face in the round of 16? So I'm going to talk about the way that I feel and and how we've historically performed. So I'm going to try to break this up into two different conversations here. We have historically performed very poorly against African teams. Uh, so I, I don't, from that perspective, want to see Senegal. Um, that would be a bad matchup, I think. Senegal is going to score a lot. They're going to concede a lot. We don't really have a natural number nine. So if we get into a 3-2 game, I just don't see the U.S. really being. I just I think in most scenarios they lose that game. 
Uh, we're going to win tight games. We're going to win low-scoring games, which plays better against kind of the higher-level opposition like the Dutch. I, th- I think out of this group, I would most like to see Qatar, but we can't <laughs> see them. So we're going to see the Dutch most likely, and that's the team that I would most like to see out of Senegal, Ecuador, and, and the Netherlands. So might play well for us. Uh, ultimately, but that's the team that I would probably like to see the most just from a tactical perspective, how we play right now. Cool. 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 Any, any, any different opinion there? Uh, Josh? I don't think I see Senegal right now with, uh, with the Ford they're in, but, um, I, I, I don't think I want to face Ecuador. I feel like they, uh, that's the team I least yeah. want to see. That's the team I least want. To yeah. See. So, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's most likely we'll face the Netherlands, and I think that I do think we have a real shot against them. Agree, agree. All right, so Group B. This is the group that we all care about. Mm-hmm. You had to wait till the end of the show. I'm sorry for your ears, uh, but this is the group that matters. Obviously, the U.S. has already played two United Kingdoms. I, I feel like the next World Cup, we should petition to send Texas as a separate team, but <laughs> whatever. Um, I know that that shows my wonderful ignorance, but it, so we've already played Wales, drew against them. That game was really stolen from us. We've already faced England in a game that we probably should have won, uh, surprisingly so. Played them very, very well. And now we're going in to face Iran in our final game in a game that we're favored. And on paper, we have a more talented team, but Iran's no joke. Um, for those of you listening that have not been following the world cup coverage, the, the, the press conferences leading up to this have also been rather contentious. Uh, the U S men's national team, official Twitter and social media accounts posted a picture of the matchup and removed the emblem from the Iranian flag, uh, to show support for kind of the political unrest that's happening in that country right now. And Iran called immediately afterwards for the U.S. to be removed from the World Cup. Um, the press conference that, that Burhalter and Tyler Adams, the U.S. team captain, went to uh, shortly after all of that happened, uh, the the Iranian press just just drilled Tyler Adams on systemic racism in our country and how he feels supporting a flag from that nation and how he pronounced Iran wrong. And, um, you know, Burhalter was, was asked a lot of the same questions. And, and so this has turned into a good versus evil battle. Your thoughts, Josh. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> I want to say something to all the, uh, government officials in Iran who are listening right now. Uh, you guys are a bunch of jerks. Okay. No, you guys could, you guys yeah. can suck it. You guys can go straight <laughs> yeah. to yeah. the desert. Um, well, they're already there. Listen, this is like uh, <laughs> this is like when the United States faced the USSR in the Olympics in hockey, and obviously we won. This is America yeah. on ice. America obviously, on America sand. won, and the USSR immediately collapsed. Uh, if you know your history, and um, now Russia is a free and happy country. <laughs> And, you know, I think that something similar is going to happen here. And <laughs> Iran is just going to be um, an oasis of democracy in the region 
because they get destroyed by the United States tomorrow. That's my prediction. Hmm. So I think, Josh, that you're giving Iran way too much credit uh, in that comparison because the 1980 uh, Soviet hockey team, Soviet hockey team, was the best in the world. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And Iran is not. Well, they're the. So they, tell what what are the numbers? Well, hold say, on, Iran, numbers Iran's the most woke country in the world. So I mean, you heard those questions about systemic racism. So there's that. Oh well, that's true. I mean, uh, at the virtual Olympics, they're really they're really racking up the gold. <laughs> but uh, at the <laughs> at the FIFA World Cup, um, they have some work to do. No, um, listen, they. They can let their female fans drive to games now. So it's uh, – okay, I'll stop. Go ahead, Cosby. Whoa, 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 whoa. So – Cosby, okay. what do the numbers tell us? So the numbers tell us – and we've been talking about this. Uh, we, we meaning the, uh, the U.S. Uh, soccer fans and commentators have all been talking about the, the win and you're in scenario for the U.S., um, which is true. Uh, if the United States wins against Iran, then we will have five points to their three. Uh, there is no, there is no way in that scenario for Wales to eclipse us, um, even if they somehow beat England. Um, the U.S. is still the second best or second most. Uh, at least the second uh, highest uh, rated team to come out of uh, our group. However, if we draw or lose against Iran, then we are out. So it is, it is th- there is no, there is no, no real factor here for us as far as uh, whether England or Wales wins their, their matchup. Our our probability of making the round of sixteen is only thirty eight percent because we only have those two points and we have to win. Uh, Iran has a fifty eight percent chance uh, because they can draw and still get in. Um, they, in fact, if they draw they're very likely to get in. Um, so I think they're guaranteed to get in. Right? It, it oh, no, they're not, because Wales, no, I guess, in theory, if, could win. If Wales crushed England badly, like an unrealistic, in an unrealistic way, then th- there is a possibility for Iran to... Um, to still be denied. Hold on, let's see here. So Iran draws and Wales wins by No, Wales just has to win if Iran draws. Because the goal differential, Iran's at negative two, Wales at negative two. If Wales wins even one zero, they go to four points and negative one and go in over Iran. So uh, in theory that could happen. I don't see Iran it. just gonna but yeah, yeah, Iran just got battered in that first game by England. I mean, they, they pulled two back in stoppage time against a yeah. Wales team that really just, uh, they just gave up. It's terrible. Yeah. And terrible. So, and I think Wales knows 
knows that. Uh, what what will be interesting to see is if Wales plays with any additional heart because they're playing against England, and uh, there's the they want to obvious upset, right? centuries old uh, historic tensions um, between England and Wales that uh, when when Wales has the opportunity to uh, to work some of that tension out on the field of play or on the pitch uh, I, I, I don't want to I don't want to pretend to know exactly what would happen there, but the, Wales is sitting at a 5% chance of making it in. And, and for the reasons that we described, they have to beat England, who is a top five team in the world. Um, and England still has to, uh, England has not yet been guaranteed a place. So they will at least start their, uh, their a squad, you would assume. Um, so, that... Yeah, so England's at a greater than 99% chance yes. to make the round of 16 at this point. Yeah. Cuz they have That's that's a pretty that's pretty good numbers. Yeah. So, let's see. If if Iran if Iran draws against the United States, they would have 4 points. And that would require, in, in order for England to not make the tournament, uh, England would have to lose her badly to Wales um, in order to fall behind Iran in goal differential. Because England went up by four um, against Iran and then drew against the United States. Uh, so they're at a plus four still. Um, so they would have to get crushed by Wales to fall out, um, and Iran would have to they'd, win. Right, they'd have to they'd have to lose to Wales by seven goals <laughs> minimum. Yeah. and uh, and that and that's just that that's hard to believe. Extraordinarily unrealistic. So right, yeah, England is. Just about as safe a bet as you can as you can make without without it being mathematically guaranteed. Um, and Wales the- could play a little bit of a spoiler here still, just to to kind of take first place away from them in that group. But there's still even eighty two percent chance to. Yeah, I could. Take first I could group, see so. that maybe, but I I still think it's pretty unlikely. Um, I I would tend to agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, U.S. has a great chance uh, to to get in here against Iran. I think I think U.S. is the better team on uh, even whether you're talking on paper or just in current form. Uh, I, I like the U.S.'s chances here, um, and and the U.S. definitely has something to play for um, beyond just the tournament itself. Um, yeah, I don't think it's any secret that the United States and Iran have pretty frosty relations uh, politically. So, so frosty. Uh, I think th- there is there is sort of an added incentive for the U.S. to beat Iran and vice versa. To be fair, uh, Iran sure. 
Iran, as far as the, the leadership of, of Iran goes, they hate the United States with a passion. And so Iran has a team there that knows what it would mean to, to the political and governmental establishment of Iran to beat the United States. They know what signal that would send uh, to their home country. And so they, they definitely have a lot to play for too. So I, I am not counting Iran out by any means. Uh, I, but I believe that the U.S. has the talent and the and the passion and the will to win uh, against this Iranian team. And so I, I still like our chances, even if, uh, even if we're uh, we're in a less favorable position uh, points wise uh, to Iran right now. Um, we are projected at a 38% uh, win probability versus a 31% for Iran. So slightly favored there, uh, but a 31% draw probability. Again, uh, there's there's a fair amount of talent on both sides uh, and a lot to play for, a lot of passion, a lot of intensity. So, um, yeah, I, I fully expect a an exciting, engaging match that... Uh, hopefully doesn't get too ugly with uh, unsportsmanlike conduct. Yeah, all, all you American yep. fans out there yep. who uh, hate ties, uh, tomorrow's your game because a tie is a loss. Yes. Yep. Yep. All right, so let's talk. I'm just going to take a couple of minutes before we wrap up tonight and talk about the U.S. squad. Um, I'll start by saying the U.S. right now, just for the sake of uh, kind of putting our flag in the in the in the in the dirt on the moon because we've been there. Have you, Iran? Nope. Uh, we are ranked 16th in the world right now. Uh, England, we've talked about, is is part of the top five there. Wales ranked 19, so only three spots behind us. Iran ranked 20. So this isn't a bad team. Uh, this is a team that's had a lot of success in Asia. You know, you basically see Japan and South Korea as as two very good teams, and all the rest of the good teams are in, are kind of around the Persian Gulf uh, in Middle East. So Saudi Arabia, Iran are, are good, good teams, uh, and so it's it's really been interesting to kind of see how this group, from a strength perspective, it's a very tight grouping: sixteen, nineteen, and twenty, along with uh, number five in England. So. Here's I like the U.S.'s chances tomorrow. I think that, you know, I talked last time about getting Zimmerman out of there. Um, I think he'll be less of a liability in this game because I don't see the same attacking prowess from the Iranian team. Uh, you know, they, they have scored goals, but a lot of them have been off of set pieces. I think that's one of the areas where Zimmerman's actually kind of good. Uh, it, I still would like to see him on the bench. I think we have some players in the squad that are that are better than him. Uh, you know, I talked about John Brooks and kind of the hero of the last world cup. He's, you know, he's not in this squad, unfortunately, because he had some personal fight with, with Burhalter, who, as I've kind of done more listening and research, great coach from a tactical perspective, but des- definitely is somebody who holds some of those personal vendettas, which I think is potentially detrimental to this, this U S team and the development of it, but he's emphasized young talent. And that's been a huge part of the success of this current squad. So I like the same midfield three. Uh, Yunus Musa in this in this last game became 
the teenager with the most minutes and tied for the most amount of caps. And he tied Christian Pulisic. So this is a very, very young team. Yunus Musa has started both games. He's only 19 years old. So he will surpass Christian Pulisic in caps and continue to rack up the minutes past him uh, if he starts this game. I like the midfield three of Weston McKinney, Yunus Musa, uh, and of course, uh, having our captain Tyler Adams in there as as kind of the anchor point. The four three three, I think, is the likely formation here. I do think that they need to change the front three up a little bit. I don't think that we've had a good number nine. Sargent was kind of anonymous in the first game. Uh, I, I didn't like some of the some of the play that they that they sent up his direction. It, it just didn't really make sense. They were looking for more of a, a hold-up play style forward, and that's just not what they got. Um, I think in, in the second game that we played against England, it was much better, but I still think that having Haji right up there wasn't still, it wasn't the right uh, type of forward. He's the kind of guy that you bring on late in the game to to emphasize set pieces with. He was better in the holdup play, but but was unable to to work as well in the transition. So, I would like to see Aronson come in and start. If not Aronson, then I'd like to see Gio Reyna, who's another one of those players that evidently has a little bit of a riff with Burhalter. Uh, he's an incredibly talented young man. So I'd like to see either Aronson or Reyna come into this front three to pair with Pulisic and Weya. So Weya was the goal scorer from the first game. I think it'd be really positive if the U.S. came out with him located centrally, kind of as the number nine, but allowed for a lot more of the interchange play. Uh, if we don't have the one person up front that's going to be able to score the goals for us, we need to be able to have those guys kind of floating be between those front positions. And having somebody up there like Wea gives you that flexibility where Aronson, who's played as a nine before, can can slot in. Uh, Pulisic, of course, who's had a ton of success with the U.S., playing as kind of that roaming number 10, the creative person that, that scores goals but also works well in transition. If you can kind of have him float more centrally, I think there's a lot of opportunity there to kind of have a, a working front three and get the goals by committee as opposed to relying on that single forward that we really haven't had since since Dempsey retired. So you know, I'd like to see that be the front three for this game. My choice would be Aronson. I wouldn't be sad to see Rain on the field. He did come on for a few minutes in the England game. He just didn't seem in it. He was getting bullied off the ball a little bit. You know, I don't know if that would change over the course of a full 90, but uh, I'd, I'd like to see that that front three be mixed up a little bit. Uh, Zimmerman, obviously, I'd like to see him on the bench for good. Uh, I think we have some really talented young players who are very well uh, seasoned as pros. Somebody like Cameron Carter-Vickers, why is he not starting over Zimmerman? I mean, this is a guy who came through Tottenham's Academy, uh, has had loans all over the Premier League and the Championship, and currently starts for Celtic. So I, I think there's there's a lot of experience there, uh, and he could come in and, and really kind of be a little bit more of a ball-playing center back that we have missed by having Zimmerman on the field. So those would be my main changes. I don't know, Kazi, if you or Josh have any additional thoughts on that, but uh, excited to see the U.S. play tomorrow, and I think that the odds are ever in our favor. Go Freedom. I think that 
you're right about bringing in somebody like Aronson to start at when, when we brought him off the bench, it's just been like instant energy, instant engagement, making, uh, making creative plays. Uh, and I think it'll, it'll help us to, to have that at the outset and, and try to run all over this Iran team and make them regret taking the, the pitch against us. I believe that we will win. Amen. <laughs> Make them regret taking the pitch against freedom is really what we need to do. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, go USA. If you want some steaming hot takes, follow us on Twitter. That is at WC 2022 podcast. Uh, just remember tonight's episode sponsored by Homekeeper, simplifying home maintenance for busy homeowners. You can find out more at the hkapp.com. That's T H E H K A P P.com. Thanks a lot for listening. Kazi, thank you for joining us and providing us with statistical analysis. Josh, as always, you, uh, you offered a lot. So thanks for that. Thank you for being with us, Zachary. <laughs> My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care, everybody. Have a good night. Go USA.